Welcome to the IAB UK podcast. Hello, James here, and you're listening to the IAB UK podcast. On this week's episode, I'm joined by journalist and copywriter Ellen Hammett and broadcast and audio description manager at the Royal National Institute of Blind People, Sonali Rai. Now, Ellen recently wrote a piece for Marketing Week emphasising the economic impact for advertisers of excluding people living with disabilities and underscoring the benefits that come with embracing inclusivity. Ellen spoke to Sonali for that piece and in this episode we dig a bit deeper, looking at why the ad industry has been slow to adapt to inclusive marketing, what smaller brands can do on smaller budgets and why accessibility just shouldn't be an afterthought. But I started by asking Ellen to explain what advertisers should be doing as a matter of course to ensure campaigns and communications are accessible for the one in four of the UK population living with a disability. Well, I think first and foremost, it's about really making an effort to understand what that means and making sure that there is this understanding and awareness across the organisation. So, like the piece says, 25% of the UK population Mm. experiences disability. But if we break that down, that is 18% living with a hearing impairment, over two million with sight loss, one in six is affected by a neurological condition. So there's lots of different types of disability with many different needs and consideration. So I think it's really important to identify and fill the skills gaps, you know, invest in training, upskill, hire the right people and expertise, work with the right people. And I think once you've got that understanding in place, then you can really start to think about how to implement it, which for me involves thinking about accessibility at the very Mm. start of the campaign creative process and not just retrofitting it, so to speak, Mm. at the end. It really is, you know, think about it up front and ensure it's weaved in throughout Mm. I think perhaps most importantly, though, is actually ask people what would make their lives easier. We're at a point where we have probably more data and insight than we've ever had. And still brands, I suppose, struggle Mm. to understand what the basic needs of their customers are. Sonali, just going back to this retrofitting point, you'd said in the article that it's fundamental that the creative concept is inherently inclusive. What are some of the hallmarks of something being inherently inclusive? I guess at the very basic point, it's as Ellen said, you need to be thinking about this right at the very start of it and not tacking something on at the end. So I think the different terms have been used over the years. The first term that we used was universal design. So universal design is something that works for everyone, regardless of your disability, regardless of where you sit in that spectrum of disability, because every disability has a spectrum, whether it's sight loss, you can be partially sighted, you can have significant sight loss. The time of day, the type of device you're using, your vision will be very different. Same applies to people with hearing loss. So I think it's about universal design, or you could call it Born accessible. So born accessible is the same thing. Looking at the accessibility of either the content or the platform, the distribution platform, is that accessible right at the beginning? And for ads, 
I think it's even more important because for long form content, we've had this solution in place for a very long time, which is called audio description, which I don't know whether you're aware of. Mm. Are you familiar with audio description? Yeah. But does that format work for short form content? particularly ads where you've got lots of text on screen, there's lots happening, and you're trying to obviously sell a product, but you're also selling that emotion and that almost that enthusiasm behind it. So it needs to be built in. There is no space for audio description. I know we're constantly trying to pull people towards audio description, but unless you're looking at inherently building that accessibility in, which is a rich descriptive voiceover, So you don't need the audio description Mm -hmm. at all. Or you're looking at, for example, haptic feedback because you've got lots of online advertising at the moment. You've got all text. So if it's an image ad, you've got all text. And these are techniques that have been developed over time for content of different formats, different lengths that you're trying to convey to people, share with people in different platforms and different environments. Ads quite often go on platforms that are not accessible. They're not set up to deliver audio description. So if your ad is audio described, either you have a different iteration of the ad online and tell people, go to that link if you want it with audio description. Otherwise, I'm sorry, the one here is inaccessible. So the best thing is what Ellen said. Think about it right at the beginning. Write your voiceover in a way that's inherently accessible. We've done lots of research with people with sight loss who've said, in an ad, I can give you a priority list almost. These are things that I want to know. And then if you can give me more, that's great. And it goes back to that point you made, Ellen, is that ask people. You don't need to have all of the wisdom in a single room when you're making these decisions. Often they're the bits where we come unstuck because whether it's disability or it's gender, whatever it might be, trying to solve it with the six people in the room is the worst way of going about it you said as well ellen felt the ad industry had been slower to adapt to the pace of change i wonder why that is with our industry you could say the same on any part of dni in a way despite us being at the forefront of communications and messaging to all people who could buy products services it does feel like we're on the back foot with a lot of these things i wonder why that is yeah i think it's perhaps been on brands radar but perhaps they've not known how to actually go mm. about it, where to start. Mm. They've not had the, the knowledge. And, and I think also, actually, if you look at Isbar's reframe research, which revealed things like cost yeah. and time are seen as key barriers to making advertising more accessible. And also I think there's been... I think brands are perhaps concerned about creativity and what impact accessibility has on creativity, whether it puts a limit on it or makes things more complicated, expensive. So I think those are probably the reasons. It's just been a not knowing how to go about it. But now we're seeing this wider cultural shift. I think the TV industry is doing really embraced accessibility. You're seeing lots of signing and and such in TV programmes at the moment and films. Yeah, I just think it's becoming more of a mainstream topic. And then you've got retailers Mm -hmm. like Primark launching accessible ranges. Also, British Sign Language is going to be taught as a GCSE subject from this year. I didn't know that. So it's Mm. all these... Yeah, from September, which is really cool. 
all these massive things happening in in wider society and i think brands are maybe thinking yeah right it's time to it's time to get a move on <laughs> how do you push for that change in your organization's scenario i mean clearly you've a huge interest in representing partially sighted blind people but how is it you get people thinking about this at the very start of the process i mean is it just table stakes for a business like yours when you're working with agencies and suppliers and production houses it just has to be accessible it's easier when the motivation exists when there's already that motivation of i want to make this accessible i just don't know how to do that and quite often that is where brands are when they come to us it generally the email starts with an apology i really want to make right. this accessible but i don't right. think it's possible mm. i think it's our responsibility at rnib to hold their hand and say mm-hmm. actually be here Yeah. We'll help you go through this and talk you through and maybe this campaign can't be made accessible because it's already ready mm. and there is no space or th- there's just no way you can add accessibility to this but maybe it's your next campaign where you start thinking about accessibility mm. at the very beginning I give you an example of audio description so audio description and ads will not work if you think about it at the very end because there's no space but if you think about it at the very beginning then maybe you can leave a few extra pauses where the ad can go in yeah. so it is just about thinking at that right time and just asking for help there were a whole bunch of examples in the marketing week piece read about diageo png unilever is it somehow i say easier in inverted commas for these big brands that they're resource heavy they've got budget they've probably got people in their business and teams that can be specifically accountable for this stuff is that why we're hearing about their examples and if so what can smaller brands do i guess i think it certainly helps mm. <laughs> and like i said i think costs and resource are seen as big barriers although the general consensus from people i've spoken to is that cost doesn't have to be i suppose the barrier that many see it to be right. especially if you're thinking about accessibility up front it's going to be a lot more cost effective to to do it up front mm-hmm. make those investments rather than thinking about it afterwards and trying to figure a way to to put it in and i think you smaller brands yes probably don't have the budget to make everything they do accessible in the same way that a big brand does but there are some quicker wins mm-hmm. that they can do that are probably more affordable thinking about subtitles and closed captions yep. which from my understanding can be you know a couple of hundred pounds considering things like font size color contrast alt text yeah. all things that you can do relatively simply and that aren't going to break the banks and i also thinking about this i think being a smaller brand actually has some advantages because <laughs> you don't have the same scale as the big brand so you yeah, probably don't point. need to think about doing subtitles in multiple languages yes. across many countries and it sounds like there's a spectrum of stuff if people are listening to this thinking and oh, I've I've got to go all in I've got to be right at the start of my four month yes that's the best place to be but it's not a binary choice that oh if I miss the briefing at the start I can't do it. I think that's a really really good point do brands come to you scenari I mean do they engage with you in terms of hey think about partially sighted blind people of of people come to you in a sort of to consult you on what sort of things might work i think some do we've worked with some of the biggest brands on their ads 
but they don't have to come to rnib if mm. they wish to work with other partners there are other partners so if we've got lots of audio description providers who are quite upfront about looking at an asset and saying actually this asset is not suitable for you know, for audio description the it's biggest in- benefit i would say of coming to rnib would be to obviously one looking at various different options and the biggest thing would be consulting end users yeah so reviewing your assets and looking at you know how you can best incorporate the different options that you have yeah so that's why brands come to us it makes so much sense as an industry we're kind of obsessed with creative testing in terms of impact is it going to make people feel sad at this particular moment in this narrative arc does the m frame cause someone to go out and take an action pull out their phone do whatever you want them to does it elicit the emotion that we've designed it to do like we do loads of creative testing around that yeah it, it feels like we're really behind on well can the thing actually be seen heard properly can the content actually resonate with people i guess if you can't get someone's attention it's impossible to have any impact so table stakes you need to do you perhaps need to do that thing first i can't help but think as we're talking about this and and Ellen you talked about television doing a great job here of all the creative power and the amazing minds we have in digital almost every conversation we're having now is about AI and it's impact going to be is there an AI shaped solution here somewhere where you know you could see a sort of utopia where AI could play a role with every single ad at the start of it to make it more accessible I think the thing with AI is that it really does hold the promise yes of mass personalization at scale of you know everything campaigns and comms included and accessibility should be a part of that going forward i think ai has the potential to really make sort of harness the opportunity to make creative more accessible and, and to reach more people than before There are some really amazing examples of the creative potential of AI. And I read about a few recently, which emerged at last year's Cannes. And there's something called, I don't know if if either of you have seen this, there's something called Mouthpad, which is this tongue-driven interface. Tongue-driven? Yeah, so it's in your mouth and it learns sort of how your tongue moves. Wow. And, and that is, I know it's amazing, and it's connected via Bluetooth to your device so you can interact with your devices using signals That's from incredible. your tongue. Wow. And then something similar, Dentsu Scrolling Therapy, which is an AI-powered facial recognition for people with Parkinson's, which allows them to interact with things like their social feed using their facial expressions. Mm. So I think we're seeing all these amazing examples of AI, and this should really be making brands think about how they can use this technology to really engage with people and improve the communications seems futuristic but it's here i love the fact that it's quite an optimistic take on ai much of the debate is around what jobs is it going to take it's going to kill creativity but actually when you reframe it i mean what an opportunity to to try and use it to do something like that personally i just wanted to to jump around a little bit and talk about you say in the article that it's not all about profit the uk economy is i think officially in recession now and clearly bottom line is biting a little bit for a lot of big businesses depending on where you read column inches around pulling back on things like sustainability commitments on 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 dni commitments around talent that that kind of thing we know that's really important at the moment but how do you continue even when times are a bit tougher to make the case in this area to make sure that 
the, the creative and the assets that are being produced remain accessible? I think for us, it's about awareness, creating awareness, that how to make your assets accessible, because accessibility, if you do it right, it is not expensive. Mm. I think Ellen gave an example of subtitling, a couple of hundred pounds. Mm. Audio description is essentially an additional audio track that you're creating. How expensive is that yeah. in, in the context of creating an ad, the whole campaign? So accessibility is not expensive. It is I would say it's more about the hesitation almost that you that we felt at the beginning when we were starting to work with the TV industry, the film industry. There was a hesitation of how will I do it? Oh, this is going to be very expensive. Right. We're working with the whole asset, but it isn't. It's actually, if you're talking about the audio description track for an ad, we're looking at a couple of maybe thousand pounds, and that's a really stretch. That's a real stretch that I'm putting mm-hmm. it at. So. I, I think for us, it's about creating awareness and it's about social inclusion as well. But again, yes, profits is the bottom line. And I think for us, it's that responsibility of telling the brands, it is not an expensive asset. Just get the right people involved at the right time. And that's all it takes. Yeah. We've talked about cost. There's there's resource, perhaps there's timelines as well. There's this kind of inherent human thing about making a mistake as well, particularly in areas like this. And we've seen some high profile, particularly when it comes to inclusion, some high profile ads, some high profile brands who haven't quite hit the mark. What would you say to advertisers when perhaps it's not the budget or it's not the resource holding back, but this fear of getting it wrong or making a mistake, which is holding them back from doing more in this area? I think if you're showing that you're genuinely open to learning and doing better and you're committed to making a positive change, then you're probably not going to be judged for making small mistakes. People are going to see you're trying. And I think there's always going to be a risk of making a mistake in whatever you do. And I just think brands need to sort of embrace the, it's not even a risk, I would say. Mm. I think just do it. And the opportunity Mm. to sort of reach more people and engage more people, it's not just, it's not just a business imperative. Morally, it's the right thing to do. And I think all of that outweighs any sort of risk potential risk that they might think is gonna happen yeah you're nodding violently sonali you agree completely completely agree with what elena said i mean i've been at rnib for over 10 years i've obviously interacted with a lot of people who have sight loss or are going through that journey of losing their sight. And with the people that I've interacted, I can say these people are very forgiving (laughs) because they understand that the world needs to understand, one, the journey and also how to address what they're going through in their media, in their communication. So consult end users. They want to speak to not just brands, but program makers, big cultural organizers of events. I think consultation is most important. And that's what we tend to focus on. So if you have a campaign, have you spoken to the end users? If you haven't, come to us and we'll help you. We'll put you in touch with the target audience that you're trying to reach. The ad agency and the creative sector is very used to these studies, end user studies. So it's just about involving people with disabilities in those studies and getting the voice right. Yeah. Shouldn't be that hard to do. 100%. 
<laughs> yeah, 100%. And again, it's yeah, we're obsessed with creative testing. We're also obsessed with focus groups, but perhaps it's getting the, the right balance of people in the room. I'm hearing that it's almost like the worst thing you can do is not consult, and then you end up not doing anything. I quite like this idea of people being quite forgiving around this. Just to finish then, Ellen, what gives you optimism about the future of disability inclusion in our industry? I think the fact we're sitting here talking about it is a really good thing. I've been to dozens, maybe hundreds, dare I say, (laughs) of conferences, and this has never really been talked about. It does seem that suddenly that it, I think, in line with it coming into the mainstream more so, the things that we're perhaps being driven by a younger, more inclusive and aware audience that are demanding it as well. It feels like we are reaching this critical tipping point where accessibility is becoming a default setting and brands are realising that they can do better. And I think also with technology, Mm -hmm. so AI, AR, I just think the potential is huge and actually it's really exciting. So... I look forward to seeing some meaningful innovation in this area. Yeah. I hope. What about you, Sonali? There we go. That's, a, that's my challenge to brands. <laughs> Laid the gauntlet down. What about you, Sonali? I think there's so many opportunities. I've never heard of so many industry initiatives at the same time and all focused on accessibility of the content and of the platforms that this content is being delivered on. And they're not just looking at developing best practice, but also looking at where the major pitfalls are and the people who are lagging behind, how do we pull them forward? And it's all being led by the industry which is great. And there is more talk of involving end users. We'd like to hear more of that, obviously. But again, AI is, I think, is going to be another great enabler. Everyone's heard of Soros, the new GPT, chat GPT, then that they've got. So automated video that they've got, you give them the keywords. Now that's almost accessibility in reverse. So you have a video and then you create, or you have an image and you create all text. Here you have the all text And AI is creating a video from that old text. How fantastic is that? And now Eleven Labs is saying we can actually generate audio for that. Now imagine having that audio in that 3D space. Mm -hmm. You've got spatial audio, which gives orientation to people with sight loss. And online platforms, you can have that customized experience. So I think in about 10 years, we'll be talking about there are so many different options. Which one do you think is working best? At least I'm hoping that will be where we are. I was just going to say, and I think maybe a really important next step is establishing some sort of measurement for the effectiveness of accessible advertising. And that is really going to build the case for investment. I think you're spot on. It could be a real accelerator, couldn't it? Just to land with people. I think much in the same way as, of course, there's an imperative with sustainability, but actually you made the point around people and new generations, Ellen. They are going to start to make choices about different brands based on their credentials, based on how transparent they are, based potentially on how accessible their assets are so yes it feels like we're getting very close to that thank you both so much for sharing some time i was really struck by your article ellen if you haven't read it why brands could be losing billions by failing to make their marketing more disability inclusive in marketing week we'll put a link in the show notes as well but it was an amazing conversation thank you so much for giving me some time this afternoon pleasure thank you thanks very much journalist and copywriter Ellen Hammett and the RNIB's Sonali Rai there. At a time when 
we're hearing so much unease about things like AI and AR. Isn't it refreshing to hear instances where people are really genuinely excited about the new technology coming through? And as Ellen said at the end there, it does feel like we're reaching this critical tipping point where accessibility is becoming the default setting and will be amazing to see how brands are going to respond if you want to read ellen's piece for marketing week you'll find it in the show notes if you want to take a look after listening to this interview that's a wrap for this week's episode thank you ellen and sonali thank you so much for listening and remember to rate review and share the pod i promise it really does help thank you bye-bye IAB UK, building a better future for digital advertising for the benefit of everyone.